Hey, I'm Steve Gabriel, and I'm thrilled that we have this time together. I pray that God would help you to understand how great He is and how great His plan is for your life. Come on, let's enjoy God together. Hey church, how are you? I hope that you're doing well today, and I'm really excited to continue on with the series we started last week called Letters from John. We covered 1 John chapters 1 and 2, and today I'm going to look at chapters 3, 4, and 5. Maybe you've been joining with us on the technique where you take one of the aspects of Scripture, a line from one of these chapters, and think and reflect on it. We call that SOAP, and that technique stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And we're passionate about that because we know in the, in the times that we're living in, it's the Word of God that will help us stay strong. All right, so let's dive in. I hope you're ready. Get your notebook or your iPhone out, settle in, and get ready for the Word of God. In 1 John 3, it starts off with this, where the, the Apostle John, the, the writer, that God used to write 1 John says this, What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. And that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to look at the marvelous love of the Father. And that's why I want to title today's message, Love, Real Love. Because the Father's love is real. It is tangible. It will affect you. It will affect your mind and your will and your emotions. His love for you is literally off the charts. And John describes it as marvelous. He's using some of the greatest adjectives that he can think of to begin to describe God's love. Let's look at what the Father's love actually is. Because I know today many people would define love in different ways. So let's look at how the Bible defines love. This word love in the Greek is called agape. And the meaning of agape is this. It's unconditional, unearned love. That's how God views you. He views you as someone that he loves dearly. And John understands love in a way that's so precious, and he unpacks this in a powerful way. And I want us just to think for a moment together about what this unconditional, unearned love is. Another way of thinking of this is like this. God cannot love you any more than he does right now. That God is always thinking of your highest possible Good. That's your father. Now I know there's a lot of rubbish out there. There's taught about, we know, how God views us and how God loves us. And that's why I want to go to the Bible about this. Because when John wrote these words, there were the same kinds of arguments back then in first century A.D. When people, they, they, they discounted the love of God the Father. They challenged it. They didn't believe in it. They looked at the persecutions and the challenges of the time and literally said, oh, God doesn't care about us. God doesn't love us. Our world is in a mess. And some of those things were happening because the Roman Empire had literally destroyed Israel, destroyed Jerusalem, and all this backlash. And of course, John, we know, saw his friends, his peers martyred and killed for their faith. He saw heartbreak. And yet here he's talking about the love of God. And the love of God that he's describing is this. Let's unpack it together. The love of God 
The love of God is selfless. It's sacrificial. It's immeasurable. It's incomparable. The love of God is divine. It's more than emotions, so much more than feelings and sentiments. The love of God, the agape love of God is active and it demonstrates its love through action and activity. And when John began to describe this, I wanted to shine a spotlight on who John is. John, this writer that God used to pen this letter to you and I today, he didn't plant as many churches as the Apostle Paul did in his day. You haven't really heard about his incredible faith, like Peter's incredible faith, where he walked on water. John is kind of this behind-the-scenes character, and yet he's described as the one who Jesus loved so much. And, and here's John being entrusted to write the Gospel of John and 1, 2, 3 John, and then goes on to be entrusted to write the book of Revelations about the second coming of Christ. And so, you know, you look at John's life, and I must confess, I haven't studied John until recently when I really began to meditate and reflect on this. And the more I think about John, the more I realize how much I have to learn from what God wrote through him. Did you know that John wrote more about love than any other person in the entire Bible? In 30, 35 times, just in the book of 1 John alone, the word love is translated as agape, the agape, the unconditional love of God. Just in 1 John, 42 times in 1, 2, and 3 John. So John has an understanding of love that I think we need to process. So this marvelous love that he begins with in verse 1, in verse 2, he goes on to say this, that we are really all children of God, and that's only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up? I mean, think about that. If you're a veteran in your faith or whether you're a newcomer right now, there is so much more to develop and to grow about God's love. Maybe there's an aspect of God's character and God's love that you're right now wanting to discover. And that's why I want to lift out of the letter of John this first principle. And here's the question. Are we increasing in the revelation and the receiving of the Father's love? Are we increasing or are we just stagnant? Are we increasing in receiving and the revelation of who God our Heavenly Father is? Because in tough times like we're living in now, that doesn't mean that we can't keep growing and increasing in the revelation that God is so for us. And remember, when we talk about God, we're talking about the omnipotent God. We're talking about creator God. We're talking about the powerful uh, the God who created the sun and the moon and the stars. And so there's always new aspects of God to discover. And then John goes on to talk about this in verse 3, that the world, in other words, that people have no idea of who God is and who he is and what he is up to. And when you think about that, you realize that when John talks about we're only in the beginning, that there's a, an anticipation and an expectation that we can all have to see God's goodness unfold in this season. You know, when we think about what we have in our relationship with God, we think about this, the privilege of knowing God as Father, the complete acceptance 
and embracing of coming to Father God time and time again with our practical needs and our concerns, even our dreams and our desires. The sense of dignity that God gives us when we know that we're children of God. The sense of well-being that we all have. The well-being I have of being a son, you know, the well-being we have of being a son or a daughter of God. That's, that's incredible. That the fact that God, as our Heavenly Father, is proud of us, that He loves us, and that He knows He will spend eternity with each one of us. My question is, where can we increase in our understanding of that? Maybe it's the sense of dignity that we need to draw from our Father God, where we know that we can lift our head up in some of the most challenging times and circumstances because the Bible says about us, we're a royal priesthood, a royal nation. That's how God views us. He loves us. So let's think about this. God's agape love means that it's impossible for him to love you any more than he does right now. But I want to say this to you, that, that that love that God has for us, we may not feel that love or understand that love right now in our own lives. And so the more we reflect on God's love, the more we reflect on what he says about us, not in what our feelings tell us, not in what our past tell us, but the fact is that God, our Heavenly Father, he loves us. That's an unchangeable fact that we now need to get into our mind, get deep into our soul, and certainly move forward with that understanding that He loves us completely. And I know what this is like, because there may be aspects of your life right now that you don't love. There might be things that you're very frustrated with right now. There might be people, situations, mistakes that you're making. And I want to say this over your life, that just because you make a mistake, that does not disqualify you from being a child of God. Your past mistakes just make God realize He loves you even more. How can I say that? Because His Son Jesus died. Jesus died for you so that you could receive God's love. And so I've been in this journey as I've been digging into the Word of God and the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me about, about areas of my life that I can receive more love in so that I can pass on love to other people. So let's look on, on with that now. In verse 3, John 1 John 3, verse 3, this is what John writes. He says, when we know that Jesus Christ will be openly revealed, we'll see him, and in seeing him, we'll be like him. And all of us who look forward to his coming, stay ready with the glistening purity of Jesus' life as a model for our own. You see, this is what John was convinced of. He knew it. He knew that one day Jesus would return, and Jesus is our model and so he was so passionate about this. And so here we have John, the oldest living of the original apostles, of the original disciples. And he's still looking to the return of Christ. And he's still growing and he's still learning. So what about you? You may have walked with Christ for many years. But I know there are areas in all of our lives that we want to continue to grow in. Now here's the truth. In the same way I'm saying that God loves each one of us, you have to understand that the devil hates each one of us. Sometimes God gets blamed for all the bad things that happen in the world today. God does not cause bad things, okay? We live in a world with sin, where sin is broken. And, and the Apostle Paul goes on to talk about that. It's like he's answering the question about, about the goodness of God, about, well, if God's so good, 
How come we're not experiencing more of his goodness right now? Right now? Listen to what he says. He goes on to say in verse 4, Sin is a major disruption of God's order. That's why Jesus came to get rid of sin. You see, sin is a disruption between you and your heavenly father. And if there's an area of sin in your life, then there'll be a division, a barrier, a separation between you and the father's love. It might as well be a mountain. If your relationship with God is disrupted, you can't hear from God. You can't understand his great love because there's a blockage in it. And in the same way that there's disruption, there are also diversions and distractions. In verse 7, John says, My dear children, don't let anyone divert you from the truth. So sin is the disruption, but there are also diversions. And the truth is, you can be without sin. Jesus Christ can forgive you of all your sins, but you can still be diverted. You can still be on cul-de-sacs and distractions. You can still be on a merry-go-round that's not so merry, going around and around and around, say, facing the same problems and the same challenges. Okay, let's just stop the time wasters and realize that as we reflect on God, that God will help each and every one of us move forward, which is why 1 John 3, 8 says this, and this is brilliant news. This is the best news. The reason the Son of God, Jesus, appeared was to destroy the devil's works. I want you to know the devil's works are destroyed and diversions and distractions can be dealt with because of Jesus Christ. Of course, we've got to understand that these things, if we don't deal with them, then we're going to have to have the aftermath and the consequences in our life. And John goes on to talk about how Cain, in verse 12, killed his brother Abel. And instead of allowing God's love to permeate through his life and to flow through his life and turn to God with his questions and his doubts, instead, Cain chose another path, sin. And disruption came in and led to destruction. And Cain killed his brother Abel, which is heartbreaking. Now, now John's going to jump on the back of this. He's going to use Cain to teach us something very powerful. And I want you to listen to this. He says this, that anyone who doesn't love is as good as dead. And anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you very well know that eternal life and murder do not go together. So this disruption, this sin will cause a divide between people, which leads me to my next thing that I want to lift out. And I want to ask you this question. What are you putting into practice? What are you putting into practice right now with your family, even with your enemies, with those who are at odds with you? What are you putting into practice? Because John writes in verse 18, my dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. Here we go. Let's practice real love. Now, even that phrase, practice, using the word practice, I found fascinating. I've been reflecting on this. Why does he say practice real love? Because when we practice, that means there's going to be times when we get it wrong. There's going to be times when we try to love people and we fall short. There's going to be times when we try to have the best come out of a situation and we're just going to end up in a place where we say the wrong thing at the wrong time. And maybe you've never done that, but I have. Have you ever said the wrong thing at the wrong time and tried to help somebody and it's gone terribly pear-shaped and you end up trying to, you know, fix the situation and you think, ah, oh, I've done more harm than good by just trying to practice real love. Next time I'm just going to stay silent. Well, of course, we understand that practice 
makes for a better life. And you may not get it right at first. You may feel very awkward as you start to try to love others around you. And maybe this is a new thing for you to step out and really embrace somebody and, and spend quality time and be interested in their life. Well, let's practice. And I've realized that this practice that we're talking about, this love, and the word, of course, love here is agape. We're practicing unconditional acceptance. Okay, let me just back up a little bit. The world doesn't understand this. There are four, four words for love in the New Testament. The first one we've already talked about, agape. The second one is eros. That's the physical love. That's the romantic love, the sexual love. That's eros. So, so when some people are saying love, they're automatically thinking of something entirely different than I'm talking about here. Another word is philia, which is the friendship kind of love, the platonic love. And the final word for love comes from the Greek word storgia. So we have eros, philia, and storgia. Those three meanings of the word love. Storgia is the love, the bond between family members like a father and a son or mother and daughter or siblings. That's that kind of love. Now in the world or when people who don't know Jesus think about love, they're not thinking of unconditional, unmerited love of God. And so when we're talking about practicing love, we're talking about the opportunities that we have in people's lives when they don't agree with us, sometimes even when they don't like us. Just because someone is disagreeable, even people that are in a place where they're arguing with us, that does not give you and I the right to lose our love. Instead, we have to lift our love and put it into practice. And of course, I'm going back to John, and John says this, and it's so powerful, in the Gospel of John, and you probably know this scripture, he writes in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And what John writes to those who don't know Christ in John 3.16, in 1 John 3.16, he talks about how we should practice love, right? And I think we should all memorize 1 John 3.16, just as much as we've done John 3.16. This is 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for each other. Laying down our life. What do you need to lay down? Is it a, is it a way that you view someone different than you, and you find yourself jumping to conclusions? Lay it down. Do you find that you're quickly frustrated with your marriage or, or, or the people closest to you? Lay down that frustration. Maybe right now you're striving and you're, you're trying to make things happen in this season. Well, even that desire, even that dream, lay that dream down. Put it in God's hands. I don't mean that we be irresponsible or we let go of what's most important. But I just want to let you know this, that John writes this, that what good is it if we gain the whole world and yet we're in disagreement with each other? So we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and for our sisters. And then in verse 17, okay, this is going to get even more hard hitting. John says this, if you see a brother or sister in need, and have the means to do something about it, but you turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears, and you made it disappear. Wow. Okay, let's just talk about this. Because I know there is, there's mistakes I've made in the past that have literally caused God's love 
to disappear. And you know, the Bible's so clear about this that when we have screwed up, you know, and I've talked about this last week, that, that Jesus Christ is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. In other words, that whatever your mistakes were from the past, today is a new day. Remember, God loves us unconditionally. So we can go to God and we can help His love to reappear when it disappeared. We don't have to put up with disruptions or distractions. We can let the love of God manifest. And when we do that, then we get to three, chapter 3, verse 19. John writes this, When you practice love, you shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something to it, okay? Right, okay, let's get real about this. Self-criticism. I don't mean critics outside of us. I mean the inner narrative that we have in our world, the inner thing that stops us from receiving the love of God and practicing the love of God. When you decide that even regardless of how you feel emotionally, you're going to practice God's love, you shut down your own self-critic, the things that remind you of all the mistakes that you made. And when you shut down the self-critic, guess what you do? You close the door on the enemy. The enemy cannot come in because that door is shut. There is no more self-criticism. And you realize you and I are recipients of the grace of God. We don't deserve the Father's love, but through Christ Jesus, we have it anyway. And that is the immense, the powerful love of God. That's what the world needs. They need, we all need the love of God to be like a magnet. So we're not self-critics anymore. We become creators. We become spreaders of the gospel. We become the persons and the people of God that have always, that have always been intended to live. Okay, so, so that's where I'm getting excited about this now. Because when I think about all the things that should have disqualified me or should maybe, you're thinking now, the things that could have disqualified you, none of that matters because Jesus loves you so, so much. And that's what we can put into practice. That's what real love is. Fake love is full of self-criticism. Fake love is, is loving to a point and then we're off the bus. We just can't love anymore. But real love kicks in. When failure starts, real love kicks in. When disappointment takes over, real love takes over our life. Which leads me to the last thing I want to lift out for you today from John's writing, which is this. Take up permanent residence in love. 1 John chapter 4 um, says this, verse 17, God is love. And when we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. That's permanent residence. Think about that for a minute now. Think about God living in us permanently. You know, and when I think about this, I have to think of a hotel or a residence that is not permanent. A place where you might just stay overnight in a bed and breakfast and leave the next day. That's not what God is talking about. Permanent residence means we have no plan B. We're going to let God's love flow through every part of our life. And remember, when we're talking about God is love, here's the word agape again. God in his essence, in his nature is pure love. That means that everything God creates, He creates out of love. Everything God says, He creates out of love. Even when God brings judgment, He brings judgment in love. And I know this is a lot to get our head around, but that's why permanent residents will process this, because it's going to take us time to think about the love of God. And so yet again, John is helping us so much. In verse 17, he says this, 
This way, love has the run of the house. Because at home, love is mature in us so that we are free from worry on judgment day. Have you given love the run of your entire house? Or are there rooms right now that you know in your life are like, that room is close to the love of God. It could be somebody that you're offended with. It could be a situation that you're disappointed in. You're like, I'm not going there again. It could be a bankruptcy. It could be a challenge at work. It could be a failed project that didn't work out. Now you're just like, I'm never going to try again. Well, John's writing, let love have the run of your house. You know, when I have stayed at hotels back in the day when we could travel more and be out and about in society, you know, we have the sign that you hang on the door that says, come, please clean the room. And you hang it on the door and the cleaners would see that and they'd come when you're out and they would clean the room for you. Well, I think we need to hang that sign on our heart for God. Let the Holy Spirit come and clean a room of your house and give you a sense of hope again. And let the self-doubt and the criticism stop and replace that with love. Instead, so many of us have a do not disturb area. And we put the sign over that area and it's like, okay, God, I'll serve you, but don't come in this area. I'll serve you, but, but leave me alone in this point. No, no, God wants all of us to have, have these areas where we're like, come on, God, come in. And John goes on to say this in 1 John 4.17. I really want you to listen to this. Perfect love casts out Fear. Fear has no place in your house. Disappointment has no place in your house. How do we deal with that? We unleash love and let love chase out fear. And I had this image of maybe there's an area right now, a closet or, or a room in your home that's, that's like closed off. Let's open the door and let love make that fear run out the front door so that we don't see it again. And when we feel the fear, we let love come in and cast fear out. That picture of opening up our lives is my prayer for you. My, my prayer that, that every area of your life would be full to capacity in increasing measure with the love of God growing. And finally, 1 John 5, 3, 3, 13, um, John finishes his writing by saying this. My purpose in writing is simply this, that you believe in God's Son and that you'll know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life, the reality and not the illusion. You see, right now when you take up permanent residence, we don't deal with an illusion. This is what God promised. And then John goes on to say this, and now bold and free, we then become in his presence, freely asking according to his will, sure that he is listening and that we are confident that we know that what we've asked for is as good as ours. Hey, thank you so much for watching. We pray to God that you've been impacted by how great God's Word is, by how great God's plan is for your life. But I do want to say, if you need prayer for anything, then drop us a line, drop us an email. We would love to hear from you so that we can pray for you and just continue on this journey of building life together. Have a great week, month. Year ahead.